You're listening to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast, a program dedicated to advocating for a biblical worldview by encouraging Christian growth and ministry from a biblical perspective. Well, welcome to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast. I am Mike Kess. I have the privilege of serving as National Rep of the GARBC, and I am in the beautiful town of Colville, Washington, with my good friend, Pastor Dennis Wilkening. Thanks for being with us. It's good to be with you. Dennis serves as the senior pastor, the lead pastor of First Baptist Church of Colville. I want you to give a summary about your church because I have been amazed in the time I've been here. I'll have the privilege of preaching there tomorrow morning. I've been here for the Baptist Network Northwest State Meetings, and it has been a real joy to hear about how God has really resurrected this church in the past nine years. So could you give me, though, a summary of what your church was like when you arrived, because I think it mirrors what a lot of new pastors or transitioning pastors will be facing when they arrive at a new church. So our church had been through some struggles, and um, before I came, it was the second time that they had gone, in six years that they'd gone 18 months without a pastor. Mm. And so the deacons were doing the lion's share of the work as well as doing the pulpit committee. In the Baptist world, maybe we would say it was circling the wagons, Uh, kind of uh, playing prevent defense. We just hope that we don't lose anyone else. mm -hmm. Very inward focused. And and yet, I will say, um, when I candidated, um, I did see sparks of joy. Mm. For the Lord, you know, they they believe that the Lord could do something. But I think the comment that one of the deacons made when I was candidating probably sums it up. If we keep doing what we're doing right now, in the next 10 years, we'll probably look like most of the churches that are dead or gone. And that that made me sad, to be honest with you, yeah. because we all know of churches that are closing their doors. And we certainly didn't want to see that happen in Colville. Or Were you hopeful when you came? Was there pushback from the people, anybody, maybe pockets of groups? I'm finding this from a lot of pastors when they go to new churches where they have a real burden, a real passion, big plans for the future. And yet there's little pockets of people who kind of like the church dead, to be frank. Did you find that with people in the church? Sure. You know, I do think every pastor faces that a little bit. I don't know that I saw it as discouraging. I remember being invited to a house one night. My wife came with me and we sat down with another couple who'd been in our church for quite a while. And they no longer, and I think we'd been there three years, no longer knew everyone in the church. We were growing. We were seeing people saved and baptized. And the comment was made, and I don't even know that it registered with them. um, But they said, you know, I think I liked it better when I knew everyone, mm-hmm. um, to which I, re- I just very graciously, I try think, uh, tried to respond graciously, yeah. which was, um, isn't it great that we get to expand the impact of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? And so I do think that it takes quite a while. When we talk about changing a church, we're not just talking about the things that we do. We're really talking about who we are, the DNA of what makes us who we are as a church. And our goal here at First Baptist was to make it so that the DNA of the church was evangelism and discipleship. Mm -hmm. And so that was going to take years. 
not months. And we knew that when we came. And so I guess we came with a long-term goal. I knew I was going to be here long. So I didn't have to get it all done in the first year. Mm -hmm. What would you say to pastors listening to this? Because there seems to be a pattern with some pastors when they come into a church where they present their strategic plan for the next five years, what needs to change. And there at times can be the attitude that says, I don't care who I offend. I don't care if I get rid of certain people. I hope they do leave. But that wasn't your (laughs) attitude. You had a completely different attitude where you said, I don't want to lose anybody. I want to love these people and shepherd them. So talk a little bit about that, that even though your church grew, you didn't do it by offending everybody or having an in-your-face attitude about it. No, because um, if you want to grow, you need to keep as many people as you can because that just makes your work harder, (laughs) right? Plus... Um, my, those who are there, those hundred who are there holding the church together Mm -hmm. for a long time before I ever came, Mm -hmm. those were going to be my disciplers. Those were my mature Christians who stuck it out through thick and thin. And I didn't want to lose the greatest attributes of First Baptist Church. But what I did need to do was bring them along in a, a thought process of evangelism, which we... We all admit we weren't very good at in the beginning. We weren't doing outreach. We weren't looking to see people saved. But together, we did adopt that as our cornerstone. That's who we wanted to be, and we agreed on that. So I was willing to punt a lot. I had a three-, five-, and ten-year plan. And when I got to the end of three years, some of my deacons, even my wife says, well, we didn't get everything done that we wanted to get done. I said, I know that's in my five-year plan. (laughs) And when we got to five years and they said, guess what? Some of those things aren't done. I said, I know it's in my 10-year plan. Um, And so I'm willing to punt on some things in order to bring everyone along rather than to split my congregation because we can do more together than we can by ourselves with the gospel. Right. So give us a snapshot then. Take us through a little bit, the highlights of the last nine years of what God is doing. And we're going to be blessed as we hear this, how God has grown the church, expanded it. People have come to know the Savior. Give, give us some highlights of that over the past nine years. I was asked one time, what is the secret? Right. So we're in this small town of just mm-hmm. under 5,000. Right. And we're growing and we're building and we're seeing these things happen. What's the secret? You know, and I, I tell everyone, I I don't know. I can't write a book on this. I can't sit down and say, well, if you do one, two, three, you'll grow like me. I I don't think that's the way that it works. I don't know that it's formulaic. I can tell you what the Lord has done here. Um, We started with just about 100, and the Lord has grown us to averaging over 300. And um, we're seeing a great impact in our community because much of that growth has been those who are saved been saved in our ministry and then baptized here Mm -hmm. and now have been discipled here. Mm -hmm. And so they're ours. I'm the only pastor they've ever known. And and it's exciting, not for me as much as it is for the whole church, because those saints who held everything together, those 100, they cheered the loudest. This is what they prayed for. They didn't want to close the doors. They wanted to see this happen. And I just happened to be um, who the Lord maybe used to lead the change. But even then, I'm not the one who led all of these individuals to the Lord. Right. Those were pe- those were our aged saints who loved the Lord and, and were here when, 
when I came. And it's just neat to see that happening. Um, when I came, there's about 100. We, we started a, an outreach program um, where we wanted to get to every home in our town every year. Mm-hmm. And so um, we believe that God gave us Colville. And so we claimed it for the Lord. If you if you ever come to Colville, Washington, you'll see up on the hill there's a there's a cross that overlooks our town. It's 50 foot high. It's white. It's lit up. You can see it from seven miles away. Hmm. And um, my wife and I we hiked up to that cross and we prayed over the city of Colville and Amen. said, Lord, you've given us this place. Help us to reach everybody that you want us to reach. We love this place. Thank you for Amen. calling us here. And um, and as we prayed, we even said. Um, Lord, how can we get the word out? And and so we just determined there's 1,650 homes inside the city limits of Colville. And we said, with your help and with, with our church's commitment, we're going to get to every door every year and present the gospel. And sometimes that's an Easter invitation. And sometimes that's VBS or another mm-hmm. outreach that we're doing. But we have maps and we are able to do things that maybe big cities can't. Our city actually gave us the tie-ins to the, all the gas uh, lines and the electrical lines to the city wonderful. with the addresses on them and said, knock your socks off, 40 pages of nice. maps for our city limits. And we just mark them off as we get to one, each one every year. And our church enjoys it because it's not every weekend. It, it's one home once a year. And if so it's we, not a typical visitation it's, program. It's right? not. Or, we just right. want to make sure we get there every year. Right. And, um, and it also enables us to then track our progress as to whether we're doing what we said we wanted to do. Are we really watching over our town? Do we really feel responsible with the gospel? What have we, if we do, what have we done about that? Is it, can we gauge it? Can we map it? Can we repeat it mm-hmm. year after year? And it's been a source of encouragement, even for those who may feel uncomfortable with visitation. We let them just tape it on the door. If they're saying, yeah. I don't want to talk to someone. Sure. I'm like, well, if you just give it, uh, I'm, I think that's great. Andrew uh, doesn't give the gospel. He's always bringing someone to Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm great with people bringing their friends to Jesus or, or just taping that on the door. Glass, not paint. Uh, and <laughs> we don't want to paint the new doors, yeah. but um, we've been grateful for how that has worked for us too. So in nine years, you've seen the church pretty much triple. Yes. The budget follows along with that. Yeah. So we went from about 199000 our first year to just under $500,000 now in 2021 for this fiscal year. And additional staff. That- yeah. So this was amazing. This church, I was a solo pastor for three years. This church had only had one youth pastor in its history. And how um, was the church? Uh, we were... 1953, they got together for their first Bible study. 1954, they incorporated as a church under the GARBC. And and so we were able to, for the very first time, add a a staff member. Um, And so David and Caitlin Christ were brought on staff, and um, they've been here now for six years with us. Um, And they have been fantastic. So we added a staff member and then hopefully, and we've had this on the agenda. This is one of those things we've punted on several times. We would really like to add a children's uh, director to our staff this year. Um, So we came across some statistics about salvations before the age of 13 Mm -hmm. um, and found out that almost 80% of those who profess Christ or profess to be born again believers did so before they were a teenager. And, um, and so that became a personal burden that we would 
not just have Sunday school or youth ministry, but that we would be very intentional about that. So that's kind of our next thing. And we have it in the budget. We actually had it in the budget last year, but because of the thing that happened all across of America, it, uh, it kind of slowed us down on that progress, but we're hoping to do that this year. There's something about, and you've seen this, you were able to get a lot of things accomplished because there's something about when people are professing faith in Christ and you're seeing a good number of people do that. And there's a culture of evangelism where the leadership is consistently sharing the gospel. It's expected of the church membership. They know you're doing it. And they're seeing people follow the Lord in baptism. It just seems to bring the church together. I don't know anybody who goes to a church where there's a consistent amount of people being baptized saying it's so discouraging to see all these people come to Christ. It's an encouraging thing. (laughs) Absolutely. And when they see that, if you're truly a believer, you're going to love seeing that. You're going to love being a part of a church where that consistently happens. Something else you guys do, Dennis, that is encouraging. And, And the reason I want so many in our fellowship to hear this is because no matter what context your church is in, the things that you're doing here in Colville can happen in whatever context God has placed them. Mm-hmm. One would be how you love and serve your community. Sure. I was greatly impressed by that. The, the things you do for your community, how you love them. Just share a few things of what you guys do to show the love of Christ to your neighbors. Sure. So some simple ones during this last year, because because COVID's fresh on everybody's minds, yeah. you know, um, just like everywhere else, our professionals, our hospital workers, our medical professionals were doing double shifts on a regular basis. And we thought something uh, to show the love to our to our medical professionals. We just set up an account at a local coffee stand and told them if someone walks up and shows you a medical badge for the next three days, um, we want you to build First Baptist Church for that. Um, and they gave us a discount on the specialty drinks or whatever. And so we went up to Providence Hospital and told their HR person, we need you to distribute this to all your workers. Let them know if they show their their badge. And then and then it circulated around to all the hospitals. Anyone that had a medical badge, even our fire department or our our um, ambulance services. And so for three days, they were able to go through and get some coffee. The coffee shop agreed mm-hmm. to allow it us to place our our invitations there with the plan of salvation, mm-hmm. our service times. It was just on a, a nice glossy card, and they just. With the drink, they handed them one of those cards and said, this is free for First Baptist Church. They just wanted to say they love you. Amen. And they did that for us, right? And so it wasn't even our people doing that. Um, That was just one way in which we did that. In in the past, we've done, uh, because we're in the timber region, we've done a woodcutting ministry before where we had a log truck drop off logs and we cut up. 30 cord of wood on a Saturday with chainsaws and malls and stacked it in trucks. And we took it to those who needed to heat their home for the winter. And we gave one cord to each house to single moms and widows and things like that. And just said, Hey, listen, um, we love you. We know it's difficult. Um, we do a, in the fall to get a widow's and single mom's cars ready for the winter time. Uh, we partner with a local garage and we tell them if you'll make your appointment, tell them the first Baptist sent you, um, they're going to give you your oil change, tire rotation, and your fluid, um, like windshield wiper fluid. They're going to do that for free for awesome. you. They charge us cost, which is twenty-five or thirty dollars a car, mm-hmm. and um, and we have about forty single moms or widows in our community who would take advantage of that. Um, 
and then we have a benevolence fund at our church. So sometimes there'll be road hazard problems with their car. And so maybe we'll just pitch in a little bit of extra to get that road worthy before yeah. winter comes. And then they put up norms, uh, auto puts a, a bag that we've put together ourselves with a yeah. keychain in there that says first Baptist, a letter from the pastor that says, we know how difficult it is to be a single mom and to be raising kids on your own. And if you ever just needed a place to pray and get some spiritual encouragement, we invite you to be a part of our services. And uh, this is just to say, thank you. We know that your job is hard and, uh, and we recognize that and we love you. So we've done a lot of other things too. We don't do all of these every year, sure, but right. we look for ways that could most impact our community to the point now where people know, hey, First Baptist is one of those churches that really loves our town. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Again, that's another thing that every church can do in some practical way. Dennis, what encouragement would you give to a pastor who's listening to this and he feels like his head is beating against a brick wall? He's trying everything, he's praying, and he's frustrated, mm-hmm. and his church just is not taking off. And they hear what you're saying, and, and they think, this is great, that's wonderful, I'm, God, I'm glad God has blessed his church in that way. But what encouragement would you give to a pastor who's discouraged mm-hmm. and doesn't know if his struggling church can ever thrive again? Yeah. Well, and I'll just say, we have all been there, mm-hmm. right? So even though I may be hitting the mountaintops over the past nine years, there have been stretches of time where things have not gone as smoothly as I wanted or as quickly as I wanted. I tend to move, want to move much more quickly than my congregation is ready to move. And I found that I need to be a lot more patient. You know, the Bible tells us we're shepherds and we're supposed to be out in front leading, not at the back, driving them like cattle. And so I'm not pushing my people to a place. I'm leading them to a place, which means I may have to walk a little slower in order that everyone can keep up. Mm. And so I've had to teach myself that. The second thing is sometimes the Lord doesn't move as quickly as we want him to either. Our expectation is if we dream it up and it looks like a good idea, that must that must be the way. Or if I hear it on a podcast, yeah, <laughs> I'm going right. to go do that and it's right. going to make everything better. <laughs> and I found that no matter how many podcasts I listen to, that's not always the yeah. way that it works. I'm glad and grateful for the ideas. So we actually formed um, in 2013 an early morning prayer group just for men. Um, we, we meet at six to seven every morning. The Bible says, could you not watch with me one hour? And so we set aside one hour for men to pray every week. And we've done it since 2013. Mm-hmm. We started with eight guys and we quickly grew it to three, which is always <laughs> very encouraging for a pastor. <laughs> and believe it or not, for a couple years, not a few days or a few months, for a couple years, there were only three of us. Mm-hmm. This year, in 2021, we've had three or four weeks in a row where we've had 12 men mm-hmm. coming and praying. Can I tell you, that has probably been the most encouraging time, even when there was only three of us, knowing that we're pouring our hearts out to yeah. God, we're asking God, and I'm not ashamed of this. I ask God for souls. Yeah. I ask God for baptisms. Mm-hmm. I ask God to shield and protect our marriages um, mm-hmm. and to bring the right people who can help us with bring the gospel to the community. Um, you know, I, I, we pray for those things. We pour our hearts out. Um, there as men. And I think that's made the biggest difference in me because then 
I can point to an actual, well, we prayed about this and this is what God is doing. It's been, that's been the most encouraging part. So if it's not going as quickly as you want and it's not going as well as you want, um, can I just say welcome to the club and um, draw your strength from God um, because he will answer prayer. But I, I do think that we neglect that often. We trust our methods rather than trusting God to answer our prayers. And I think the more that we pray and encourage one another, the, the better things go in that arena. I appreciate that so much. That's such a wise word of advice. And revitalization also may look different yeah. in every church mm -hmm. context where God places you. But the one common denominator is uh, people coming to Christ, people following him in baptism, and there's a culture of discipleship. Dennis, this is one of the great benefits of being a part of a fellowship of churches like ours is we get to network together with other doctrinally aligned churches, bounce ideas off of one another, pray for one another, develop uh, relationships among peers. You asked me before the podcast if you could make yourself available, maybe yeah. give your email yeah. to anyone who might have questions. We're brothers and sisters in Christ are also listening to this right. and we're in this together and you want to make yourself available. If anyone needs encouragement, has some questions for you, Absolutely. Uh, go for it. Yeah. So um, you can reach me at D Wilkening. Uh, that's the letter D as in Dennis. And then last name is Wilkening W I L K E N I N G at F B C Um You can even reach at our church office if you want. 509-684-4394. Um, one of the greatest joys of ministry is being able to encourage others. Yeah. The Lord comforts us so we can comfort others. He has comforted me in our journey. And if you need a little bit of comfort, a little bit of encouragement, I'd love to touch base with you. I'd love to encourage you. I do believe the Lord wants his church to thrive in America. And I believe he can do that and that he will use you as a pastor, to be a gift to the local church. That is super encouraging. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you for listening to this. I encourage you, pass this podcast along. This is super important because the context that Dennis serves in is the setting that a lot of you are serving in. And we hope this has been a blessing to you, and we pray that this would be an encouragement also to your church. Until next time, may God richly bless you and your church for his glory. Thank you for listening to the Baptist Bulletin Podcast. The regular Baptist network of ministries exists to make disciples through healthy local churches. If you like this podcast, subscribe to your podcast platform of choice. You can find out more about our ministries at garbc.org and follow Regular Baptist Ministries on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.